Welcome to the first episode of the Movies and Beyond podcast. My name is Brian Osborne. I am your host. Thank you so much for taking a chance and hitting that download button today or hitting the stream button on whatever app or platform or website that you may be finding this show on. I thank you so much. I hope you enjoy yourselves while you're here or while you're listening. little info about me since this is the first episode and a little about the show is that I have been a lifelong fan of movies and the world of making movies, the world of movie news and the world of, and knowing movie history and how that history has shaped the current landscape. And also just the idea of the, or the, the discussion of films and how they enhance our culture, what they bring us to the, the ideas that we can explore through them and just really, uh, really delving into the excitement and and how much movies really shape our uh, or help help our society in many many ways, both again in the past and present day. And also enjoy ta- I also enjoy talking about what's coming up down the road. You're going to get a lot of that on this show. We're going to talk about some of the big stories coming out of Hollywood, what it means going forward, and I also hope to bring more light to the past and talking about some of the great great films and film stars and and artists that have gone through the ages and really helped helped this medium and and made it what it is today and I, again I I look forward into diving so much we're going to talk so much about movies on this show and we're going to talk uh, both current and and past and also other topics that are adjacent to the movie world movies have inter- can introduce you to Things like comic books that we know it today here in, as I'm recording this in 2020, we are still in the thick and have been for over 10 years now, almost 12 years of the comic book craze, superhero craze. And we're going into a new phase now with Marvel and DC on the horizon, but we're going to talk about comics from occasion on the show, or I, I would really hope to, and I really hope to talk about other sources such as novels, plays, even folklore. There's, um, there's some when we and you talk about things like Lord of the Rings or Dune. There's a movie Dune that's going to be made. I want to talk about uh, think topics like that that may be they may not be specifically movie centric, but they are adjacent. They're bigger mythologies. Of course, the big one of the biggest ones, especially being born from movies, is Star Wars. Love talking Star Wars, even though it can be. I know it's a hot, highly debated topic, but I look forward to talking talking some Star Wars stuff down the road. It's uh, it's just something I love to do. Plus Marvel again, comic comic related, and other many other things. I will admit that the TV landscape is a little lost on me. I will talk on about some in, in particular. I do I do like watching TV just like as much as anybody else. But I do tend to limit myself because again I'm more of a movie person than I am a TV person. And honestly, in the day and age that we are in, as we are now getting really hot and heavy into the streaming wars between Netflix, Hulu. Apple Plus or whatever it is, Disney Plus, Apple TV. It's uh, it's just becoming too hard. And Amazon Prime, I'm also a Prime member. I pick selective shows to watch, but I know there are some that I'm I am missing and it's just purely because I do, either one I don't have time or number two, it just becomes such a stressful moment to pick a show that I just I I can't. I just end up not picking anything because there's just so much good out there and so much to choose from, which is a good problem. But it just again, it usually causes me to miss out 
on the shows. But enough about that. Again, we can still hit. I'm sure there will still be many of TV topics to talk about in the future. But uh, for now, we'll just do a test run. And again, this is the first episode, so expect some hiccups as we try to. I'm going to try to mess with this format or just try to find a format that works. And maybe this is the one that will work going forward, or maybe not. We'll just uh, we'll see how it goes. And um, this is the beginning of a new week now, uh, as I'm recording this, January 27th, 2020. And we'll take a look at some of the big stories that are out there today. First one uh, talks about Star Wars, like I mentioned. The story coming from that I'm reading is from SlashFilm.com and many others, where Dave Filoni and Christopher Yost are among the choices to replace Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series writer. So a little background there. Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series was in the works. It was originally going to be a film a couple of years ago, and then they Disney saw how bad Solo did, and they hit the brakes on all their other projects. One of those projects was Obi-Wan, and they've since announced that it's going to be a TV show on Disney+. Plus. They were hoping to go into production this past or this upcoming summer of 2020, releasing the show sometime in 2021. Well, now... They have been the show has been put on hold. It looks like they had to get rid of their writer, um, Hasin Amani. Amini. I probably butchered that, but it sounds like they are now eyeing Dave Filoni and Christopher Yost, who have both been part of the Mandalorian TV show, which that's a show I have watched, The Mandalorian, and I was really I'm I'm still looking really forward to an Obi Wan TV show. I really wanted them to make the film. I was fine that they canceled the Bubba Fett movie and the other. Uh, the Yoda movie and whatever, all the other crazy ideas that they had. But I love the idea of an Obi-Wan film. I'm still excited. I think it could work better as a TV show uh, just because, you know, show, that's one thing TV, especially with streaming, has shown the just how how cool of a... And Star Wars itself is made that way, is the serialized storytelling, just one episode after episode after episode kind of spread out. And The Mandalorian showed it uh, brilliantly. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the show when it comes out. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to wait a couple of years. And Dave Filoni, for those that don't know, I mean, if you follow the stuff at, at, at all, uh, similar to me, you know Dave Filoni is one of probably the closest thing to George Lucas that we have, other than George Lucas. And Lucas, of course, sold, selling rights to the property. But Filoni studied under George Lucas. He he knows so much about the world and the lore from working with Lucas on the original Clone Wars TV show, which, by the way, their last season's coming out in about a month. Pretty stoked for that. After the show's been gone for, you know, five, six, six years now, I guess, since the last season. So I would be happy if it was Dave Filoni, and, and um, I don't know as much about Christopher Yost, but it sounds like they've got uh, eyes on a good team, and that was uh, the Filoni story is according to Variety, and they're, uh, they're looking. But the, what troubles me is that, Lucasfilm, just under this whole time, even though uh, Rise of Skywalker has now cro has crossed a billion dollars, and I don't know how, you know, depending on how you feel about the film, it still made a billion dollars. It shows that there is still a love for Star Wars, good or bad or indifferent, however you feel. And it just this this is just another another row another chip in the road or block in the road for this journey for Lucasfilm. And I remember the day it was announced, I was so excited. Disney had bought Lucasfilm, and they announced immediately they were going to do a new trilogy starting in 2015. And that was so exciting, and I never would have dreamed that this, how this production, this whole 
process being handled would have would have been like how how it has and um I know again we're we're getting into that debate and it's uh, but it really shows to me like Kathleen Kennedy look hands down she's the she's the president of Lucasfilm a lot of people online hate her guts there are some people that stick up for her but I think it's become abundantly clear she cannot run a studio uh she is not the choice to run a studio I think she is great at handling individual properties I mean just look at her filmography on IMDb she produced ET she's produced I believe she's produced Jurassic Park and she's worked a lot with Steven Spielberg hence a lot of her success but um, not to say that that was all her you know a lot of I mean Spielberg had a lot I mean he was the one directing them but but she's a great producer she's attached to some of the biggest projects in the history of the last 30 35 years so she's great at those individual movies it's just running a studio and not plotting things out and having a longer plan for instance everybody knows this last trilogy the sequel trilogy the biggest thing that everybody's going to remember is that the biggest problem whether you like love the last jedi hate the last jedi love the force awakens hate the force awakens love the rise of skywalker hate the rise of skywalker there was no overall plan for the trilogy that trilogy had no purpose when they started when they started granted we had to go on some kind of journey and they eventually gave us they gave us an ending, but the point is that ending was not plotted out back in 2014 or 2015 when Force Awakens was released. Instead, it was just a J.J. Abrams, you do your movie, Ryan Johnson, do your movie, Colin Trevorrow, you do your movie, movie, and then Force Awakens comes out. Most part, people liked it. Last Jedi comes out, pretty divisive. And but it still made a billion dollars, so I'm not even so sure how divisive. But according, but even if you can look at the Rotten Tomato score, you can look at Metacritic, fan score says negative, critic score says positive, whatever that means, it still made a ton of money. It's very divisive. But then you go to Rise, then they fire Colin Trevorrow over creative differences, and we get Rise of Skywalker, which you can tell whether you love it or hate it, that stuff was not planned from the original. They really had to force some things in there to get to where they had to be <clears throat> and that's uh and that just goes to lack of planning and lack of lack of plotting and you can't blame it on disney i know a lot of people out there hate the disney corporation and they they hate that they've taken over their star wars they hate that disney runs marvel but you can look at the same company disney who also owns marvel studios and marvel and kevin feige their producer he has successfully plotted out one of the greatest arcs in film history, no matter how you look how you look at it. There are some rocky spots along the road. But we got to the Avengers Endgame, and it all made sense because of how he plotted things out from each movie. From starting with Iron Man in 2008 up until we got Endgame last year in 2019. So you can't say it's a Disney problem. It's a studio head problem. And who's the studio head? It's Kathleen Kennedy. But anyway, the original story about this Obi-Wan series, uh, hopefully they can figure it out. I think Filoni would be a great choice. I will say, I, but Filoni does seem to have a lot on his uh, plate. Although, I, I thought they were bringing back the Clone Wars permanently, but it looks like it's just going to be a final season, just a proper ending to that show. So he does have uh, some time. Plus, he was, uh, he was working on that other show, Resistance, which a lot of people gave hate to. I haven't watched any of it. But I know a lot of people really didn't like the look of it and thought that was the Disneyfying of Star Wars that people didn't like. But he was involved with that show, but then he left to go work on The Mandalorian. So, he uh, point is, he might have some free time now. Let's go on to the next story. Out of Variety, 
and many other sources, looks like the new live-action remake for, uh, as we mentioned, Disney, is Bambi. They're going to make a live-action Bambi movie. And for those that don't know, I'm sure most of you have probably seen Bambi. Bambi, if you haven't, I did not realize that that Bambi came out in 1942. Can you believe that? 1942. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I I knew it was old, but I mean, it, I mean, I uh, I would I grew up in the 90s around when I was really into when I watched Disney movies as a kid, and I knew they were you know I knew they were well past my time, but man, it's just hard to imagine. I just Bambi, I just thought they were all in that 50s time, but man, 19, 1942, that is a long time. Um, as far as making a live action, I mean, it look, and by the way, it looks like they're going to use the screenwriter from, or screenwriters from Captain Marvel, or one of them from Captain Marvel, the other one from Sierra Burgess is a loser, and, um, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, as far as them doing a live action, as the article goes on to state, it says the Disney's strategy says, quote, since 2010's Alice in Wonderland Disney strategy of remaking its animated classics as presumptively live action film has been highly lucrative, grossing over $8.2 billion worldwide, and the studio shows no signs of slowing down. This year will feature Mulan from director Nicky Caro, 101 Dalmatians prequel Cruella. Why are they making a Cruella movie? With uh, Emma Stone set to debut in May 2021. So, point is, yeah, they are uh, they are on on the road. They're, they're this has worked. I mean, they've made a lot of live action. We, we're just coming off the heels of Lion King from 2019. It was a huge look. I didn't really care for the movie just because not that it wasn't visually stunning. It's just the animals themselves couldn't really show emotion like it could in the animated classic. But also, it was just a rehash. I mean, it was a it was the same car, different coat of paint. And if you like the original, you're gonna like that story. But they really just, it really just seemed to downgrade the power and greatness of the original uh, Lion King film. So, but Bambi, uh, you know, looking at it, Bambi might be good to to use that if they just go with the photorealistic form or or, or a different type of animation. Really, I, I mean, I love what John Favreau did with the photoreal animals in Jungle Book. But in Jungle Book, at least you had. Uh, you you had Mowgli, you had the 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 boy playing Mowgli, and the animals emoting didn't necessarily mean as much. But in Lion King, it was all about the it was all about the animals, and it just didn't seem to work out as much uh, as it had in in the past. So it's okay that they I mean I, that's fine. They can make a Bambi remake. It seems like it's been long enough. And at, for a while, I was on the fence about them remaking it, but to me taking the animated at this point the animated classics are still animated so if you're going to do a live action a live action is it's it may be the same story but it is a different it's a different format and it's also at the same time you have to realize or i've i've come to realize that even though it part of me wants to just let let certain properties be what they are and stay in the part of time you also have to realize that with each generation for, you know whether whether you like it or not the new generation of of kids they don't really seek out the old movies they just don't so it's good to have a re think of it as a reintroduction and i think a bambi live action live, reintroduction i don't know yeah so i take that back i don't know if i'd like to see an animated version necessarily but if they want to do a photo reel i will live with it i consider it live i will consider it live action i know that's a debate but 
and and you're right it's technically animation those of you that say that but it is a different look it's a different feel it's not a hundred percent it's not a re it i don't want to get into it it's just it fe- it's a reintroduction it's a it looks like live action and that's good enough for me and if, so they want to remake bambi go ahead so far and they're going to do it no matter what like i said they've done very well so far um whether some not that every movie's great or anything but they've made a ton of money doing it so good on them and they're gonna move on with bambi another reboot in the process is from anaconda anaconda at uh, sony with the writer of the divergent series anybody out there a fan of the anaconda films i uh i remember seeing parts of them yeah from looks like the original anaconda came out in 1997 Starring Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Voight, Eric Stoltz, and Owen Wilson. Yeah, pretty pretty big name cast. Actually, I should check it out. But I remember seeing parts of it. And uh, granted, I was uh, um, not. I, I, I'm not a huge horror film fan, so I can't say I'm going to go out of my way to watch the original Anacondas. But hey, for those of you out there, and I know you're out there that love the horror films and maybe love Anaconda and the series, maybe the other Anacondas, this might be fun. Um, who knows? Uh, I don't know if I'll be in the first in line to see an Anaconda reboot, but that that uh, seems to be. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's fine. Go ahead, go ahead, remake it. And uh, but at this, but maybe. Nah, I don't know how I feel about this. It's just it is what it is. I mean, go ahead and remake it. I guess it's uh, it's fine. But it it's also it's just like. Do, how many how many things do we have to reboot and re remake? It's just it it's just some uh, you know reintroductions one thing, but rebooting I don't know. Anyway, Mar uh, here's some TV news. Marvel TV shows Howard the Duck and Tigra and Dazzler dropped at Hulu. So this is news to me. I didn't even know that Tigra and Dazzler was even in the process. I didn't even I I didn't even know for sure that they were making Howard the Duck. I knew they were talking about it, but uh, another one bites the dust. The article writes this is according to our friends at Collider. As uh, Hulu scraps production on previously in development Marvel TV shows Howard the Duck and Tigra and Dazzler, it's been touch and go for Hulu Marvel shows under former Marvel TV head Josh, Josh Jeff Liebs. So, and then it goes on. So Kevin Feige, uh, the producer at Marvel, he's now the producer of the Mar- He now controls Marvel TV. Marvel TV was head by, by uh, Jeff Lieb. It's not anymore. Feige's running it, so it looks like they have decided to go another route with... Um, by canceling Howard the Duck, which I will say, Howard the Duck, um, which is uh, kind of a cult, if you want to call it a cult classic film from the 80s, I watched it and it was like, whoa, it was just weird. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I, I wouldn't recommend it really, but it was it was something. It, uh, it had to have been pretty, pretty, pretty crazy for the time. So it uh, it so yeah it looks like Marvel Feige's not interested in those series they're going to go in a different route again this is all part of the shakeup Marvel TV used to be um, it's so amazing how it's changed but it started out with Dare with Daredevil and the Punisher and uh, Jessica Jones all those shows are scrapped uh, Luke Cage all those shows are scrapped for the moment and we'll see maybe a lot of people think they'll return I don't know if they will I mean they just seem to be that's one thing Marvel TV it just seems they're going in a little more uh, PG oriented, PG 13 oriented direction, but who knows? They do need, they do need to, uh, stay, uh, keep Disney plus and 
Plus, Disney owns Hulu, so I'm, I'm surprised that they would drop them. You'd think, even if they did have more of an adult theme, which I'm not 100% sure that they would, that they would still build up Hulu. But who knows? They know what they're doing more than I do. So, yeah, sorry, everybody. Howard the Duck and Tigra and Dazzler dropped at Hulu. Some awards news for the uh, current season. Sam Mendes tops the DGA Awards with 1917. And DGA is the Directors Guild of America. So that's a huge win for Sam Mendes. If you haven't seen 1917, I highly recommend that you do. It is one of the best films of 2019. And it's, uh, I would say it's probably the front runner. I would say maybe even the favorite to win the Oscar at this point. Because people think that Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a chance. I'm not so sure. I think it's going to go to 1917 by the way it's looking. Last week, they won the Produ- uh, Producers Guild of, of America Award, which usually has a good track record of picking who the best picture is. It's not a 100% guarantee, but now you see the directors giving it to Sam Mendes. That's usually a really good prediction, a almost guaranteed pick of who's going to win the Oscar for Best Director, which I've always thought that Mendes was probably going to win that despite uh, despite um, um, Tarantino just because... This is such a, it's the reason 1917, just because of the shooting and the one shot and going from scene to scene without cutting is such an amazing feat. And to do it for a two hour movie is amazing, which we, and especially a war movie, a world war one movie. So it's, it's really exciting just to see for that. And I think it's just such a good, good achievement. Mendez uh, deserves best director. I would go once upon a time in Hollywood for best picture, but I don't know. The, the cards are all starting to show or it's the signs are starting to point to 1917 getting it, and we'll we'll see. There was another uh, Guild Award, if you want to call it that, the animation, um, the Annie. They're called the Annie Awards, 40 uh, 47th Annie Awards for animation were held. Netflix dominated the ceremony. Their show Klaus or their film Klaus won Best Animated Feature. It beat out How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Frozen Two, Missing Link, and Toy Story Four. So a huge win there for Klaus. I know that's see, that's one that I've missed. I know that's highly regarded. And then the other, uh, the uh, that's a major feature. And then you have the independent feature was I Lost My Body, another film from Netflix getting the win. So Netflix showing, showing its uh, muscles in the animation game and several wins. Uh, actually, yeah, seven wins for Klaus, three for I Lost My Body, and then Frozen 2 picked up two wins. So it was all about Netflix at the Animation Awards. For as we continue to roll on, we're we're actually getting towards the end of the awards season. Um, as oh, and uh, the Cinematographers Guild, if you uh, pay attention to that, Roger Deakins, who shot 1917, won uh, another award. So really well deserved. That 1917 is a beautiful looking film, and and Roger Deakins has got. I mean, he he shot so many great films. He made Blade Runner. He got, he won the Oscar for Blade Runner 2049 a couple of years ago, and I'll be fine if he gets it for 1917. He's he's done such great work for so many years, and he just got his first Oscar in 16. I mean, the Academy can make up for him as for and give him give him one right away so quick. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, he just he totally deserves it. So uh, so yeah, but going on the Oscar season starting to wind down. Actually, we're getting towards the end of the season. We have the uh, Writers Guild is coming up next weekend, and then the 
BAFTAs, the British Film Awards, is coming up next uh, next weekend, and we'll of course keep you covered here on Movies and Beyond. It uh, should be an interesting week as productions are starting to go. We will take a quick look here at the box office numbers for this past weekend, January 24th through the 26th. Bad Boys for Life continuing to stay on the winning streak. They lost 45%, which is a good hold. Uh, they still made $34 million, so that takes their total up to $120 million. Uh, really, uh, really cool to see uh, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence have uh, have such a good run here, and everybody's reaping uh, praise on this uh, on this movie after I think 17 years since Bad Boys 2. Uh, 1917 came in second, made 15.8 million. It's now crossed the 100 million dollar mark. Robert Downey Jr.'s Doolittle, uh, well, yeah, it's made 12 12 and a half million. It dropped 40 percent from last week. It's uh, only made $40 million, which is not much for a movie that's supposedly budgeted for $175 million. Not, uh, not so good for Robert Downey Jr. in his first uh, non-Marvel property since, uh, since uh, getting seen appearing to be done with the MCU. Jumanji's still going, going, doing pretty well in its seventh week of release, made just under $8 million. It's at $280 million. So far, a new movie, The Turning, debuted at number six, making seven million. Rise of Skywalker drops to seventh place, making just over five million. It's crossed five hundred million for the U.S. and, like I said, a billion worldwide. Little Women came in eighth. Ninth was Just Mercy. Tenth was Knives Out. So yeah, Bad Boys for Life currently the top uh, top one top runner for 2020 and for uh, all movies right now. Continuing to show, we'll see what happens this uh, this coming weekend. We will see January, let's see, January 31st, we'll see the opening of a new horror film called Gretel and Hansel. And then you have a film called The Assistant, which is a drama with Julia Garner, Matthew McFadden. The Rhythm Section, which is looks to be an, an attempt at a female James Bond starring Blake Lively, Jude Law, Sterling K. Brown. And then you have a thriller, or excuse me, a, a biography called The Traitor. And, or, and several other films that are opening in limited release throughout the country. But the big ones, you have um, The Assistant opening in limited release, but the wide releases, so all of you will get a chance to see the rhythm section. That's the mystery thriller, female James Bond attempt, Blake, Blake Lively, and then the horror film Gretel and Hansel, starring Sophia Lillis and Alice Kriege. I'm saying that right. But that is coming out this weekend as we continue to roll on we're getting close uh, our first big release next big release of 2020 will be uh, the following week february 7th that's when we will see birds of prey make its debut the first dc film that we've seen since justice league so that'll be interesting as we uh we get ready to roll in to the um the or the 20 as we continue to move on and press on in 2020 and a lot of a lot of interesting properties coming up this this year so so it's been very uh, very exciting i think we will call it good there and of course the sundance film festival going on there's so many so many uh reviews coming out every day you can go check them out i would i, I could go try to go through them all with you but i don't think that would be that captivating as i can't even i haven't really done much investigating as far as what film is which and there's so many that are debuting. It's going to be a next few days, but we'll see at the end of this week who wins the grand prize, and that'll give you an idea of who the, or who wins the dramatic prize, who wins the audience award, and things like that. We may touch on it here on the show. But guys, before we go today, I do want to touch on a couple of the films that have been uh, gracing the movie theater since uh, the 2020 season 
begin. I want to look and just give you my quick thoughts. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. Since uh, since the this again, these these are just the films that have happened in 2020 uh, for the new year. Again, I have not seen Bad Boys for Life, but I will say there was a new film came out a couple of weeks ago called Underwater with Kristen Stewart. That movie was fine. Uh, it, it was all right. A lot of people have been saying it's, you know, claiming that, oh, Kristen Stewart is the reason, or a lot of people, you know, they're just like with anything and anyone, there's always a crowd that gets more vocal due to things like Twitter, and they start raising raising Cain about, or raising hell, about people they don't like, and one of those people is Kristen Stewart, that a certain group online doesn't like, and they started blaming that her that this movie didn't open very well or didn't do well because she's Kristen Stewart and they don't like her. Now, I'm actually, and I know people, I, I have friends, and actually I have my uh, my sister doesn't like uh, Kristen Stewart. She really uh, doesn't care for her acting. I actually think she's pretty good most most of the time if she's with the, the right stuff. Now, all, I have not seen any of the Twilight films myself. I've, I know there are people that really loved them when they came out. I don't know how much they've held up. But I know that uh, that Kristen Stewart was that's that's how she got found. She she was lucky to be cast in a huge blockbuster series. But I think she's she's went on to do a lot of indie dramas, and I think she's shown that she does have the acting chops that are necessary. And honestly, I she was the best part about this movie. the The film itself is it's it's fine. I mean, those of you that like horror and and monster movies, you might really you might forgive a lot of the stuff. I just found that the it, it just felt like they they could have done more with it they just they just didn't it just felt like a uh it just it just felt low low rent low 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 fruit it's not you know not that Stuart didn't try or the cast didn't try it was, and really the other cast isn't horrible it's just the the plot of the movie wasn't really well explained it wasn't wasn't really well fleshed out and there wasn't uh, wasn't much much to go on it's just just because you don't really get much time with the characters, you don't really latch on to them. It's just you're, you're, you see these people, and then all of a sudden a huge a situation happens, and then it's just go. And you kind of get bits and pieces here, and that might be enough for most of you, but it didn't necessarily hit on fire on all cylinders. It was okay. I didn't, I didn't walk out hating it. I wasn't necessarily bored, per se. By the end, it was like, okay, we got to wrap this up. So it was... It was okay, I guess. So it, it pretty much that probably tells you that they had maybe a good idea, but it's just the execution and where the where the movie went that kind of uh, kind of lost me. And honestly, being produced by 20th Century Fox now now Disney or and now it's called Fox Studios or 21st cent or 20 is it 20 20th Century Films I think is the correct name or 20 21st Century Films. There uh, it's no longer. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just put it out on uh, on Hulu, but uh, but they put it out in theaters, so um, and looks like it was just to to get it get it done, get it over with. Next film I want to talk about is Doolittle. That's uh, the one I mentioned, starring Robert Downey Jr. First post MCU turn for him, currently sitting at 44 million domestic, 91 million worldwide, and it's it's um, the movie supposedly budgeted for 175 million. Uh, I just saw it the other day, doing some catch up, and man. Um, Man, this movie's bad. It is bad. I, um, you know, I really love the Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle. Even Doctor Doolittle, well, 
I, I'm not going to say Dr. Doolittle 2, because from what I remember, it was it was a way more toned down than, than the first one, or way, uh, you could just tell the, um, well, not to get in too much, but it is funny how you look at, sometimes they'll be in a successful comedy, and if they do a sequel to that comedy, at least in this period, like in the early 2000s or late 90s, a comedy would be really successful, but then they would, inc- like, either they cut the budget, or either they would increase the budget and the movie would be worse, or... Or they sometimes they'd even it seemed like they lowered the budget and made the story even less interesting or made the characters less interesting. But some, sometimes, but one of them was Doctor Doolittle. I remember loving the first one as a kid, and then the second one was it was fine, but it wasn't nearly uh, nearly as good. I don't know what they budgeted the movie with, but it just it, I remember watching it thinking, man, this this just doesn't feel like the same thing. And maybe it had nothing to do with the budget; could have been just the creative force. But point is, I like Doctor Doolittle with Eddie Murphy. And I, so I was looking forward to see this different take. Seemed like it may be, and I and I don't know, it, it may be st- sticking a little more to the source material, or just taking a different different stance on it. But the the film Doolittle didn't work at all. Robert Downey Jr. gives a weird accent that that's almost inaudible at, at a lot of points. The um, um, yeah, it is based on the. Um, a character, Dr. John Doolittle, from a 1920 story, uh, short story. So this may be uh, I'm paying a little more homage to the old, uh, to the, to that material. But yeah, uh, Downey, Downey could, do, he's done better jobs, and and not not to mention the story itself. It's like he's he's pulled into this quest by, a, by a couple of kids. One wants to be his protege for reasons that we that we never really see fleshed out. It's just just because he lets this kid come along because, and the kid needs to follow him because. And he need, he, he gets pulled into this big adventure to help the queen for reasons we don't understand. It's just why why are they calling Dr. Doolittle? Why? And I mean, he's a guy who can talk to animals. That's it. And the, um, just... <laughs> And the animal, but a lot of the the thing about the animals, there's some CGI where it's really it it's noticeable where it's it's not that convincing. It's uh, for today's day and age, they didn't. Um, it there's a specific scene with a giraffe that really stands out and was horrible, and uh, they they the Universal really me- really messed it up. You have, uh, but the, yeah, the story elements didn't work. Characters weren't well set up. They weren't. The story was it was just an adventure for an adventure's sake for Dr. Doolittle and it wasn't, it didn't work for me. Maybe you go and maybe you would like it. Maybe you uh, have different thoughts about it. I think for kids under seven, it's probably great. I could see they at least tried and the animals were, the voices were all right. The, the, by the, um, the, the voice acting was all right, but yeah, overall Doolittle is a big mess and it's the first big blunder I would say of 2020. And I would, I would, it's going to have to, the movie's already losing a lot here stateside. It's going to have to really make up for it with it, with an overseas uh, release. So you got to hope for places like China and Europe to really just go crazy and love this movie. But I don't know if that's, uh, that's going to happen. So rough go for Robert Downey Jr. I think, you know, we'll see. I, a lot of people think maybe this means he will now go back to the MCU, hoping to, be part of a, a good thing again. I don't know. I think he might try. I, th- I know he, he wanted to re, uh, they were, he had signed on to do another Sherlock Holmes. I think he'll probably focus on things like that before he necessarily goes running back to the MCU. But, 
Um, as always, with all things, we shall see. Well, everybody, I'm going to cut uh, cut uh, cut it short here today or cut uh, call that an end for the debut episode of Movies and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Again, I apologize. It is rough. Uh, my first time actively podcasting in several years, and it's my first one about a actual uh, movie podcast. So, again, I'm going to try to keep studying what other people have been doing and try to find a format that works, and we'll try to maybe keep it similar to this but maybe uh, just fine-tuning it and keeping it with with uh, with the transitions and stuff. So I hope you appreciate it. Hope you enjoy it yourself and come back and hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to this show and keep me in the loop. I will be back talking about more movies and movie news as the weeks uh, go on, and I'll be back hopefully later this week with another re- recap of the latest news, and we'll dive into it all right here on the Movies and Beyond podcast. For now, everybody, have a great day. I'll talk to you again very soon. Take care.